everybody. I'm Sasha Feiler. I'm Stephen Cohen. And this is Shut Up, I Love It. A podcast where our guests come on to champion a part of culture that's underrated and or underappreciated. Joining us today, he is a reality television producer with 12 years and over 20 shows under his belt. Most recently, he's been working on The Hills, New Beginnings, for MTV. A Los Angeles native, he once missed the pool while diving as a seven-year-old. Drove Meghan Markle to a high school dance. She's a princess now. And has successfully performed the Heimlich maneuver on a man who was choking. He was choking. He was, he was. Yeah, so it wasn't just a man who didn't need a Heimlich when you were to perform on him, right? No, they hate it when you do that. His name is Gabe Mountain. Oh, hello. Did I say that right? You did. You did. It's and without good, any angst. You which never was great. know. Do most people usually say it with a lot oh, of yeah. anger? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, it is a perfect name for like a cult leader or like a, a rock star, right? Or president too like it could be any like president any... mountain yeah uh, your five o'clock is here <laughs> well thank you very much i hope my parents aren't disappointed with me being a reality <laughs> tv producer gabe why don't you tell us what we're going to talk about today on the show we are talking about a movie that i'm sure has never left the american collective psyche because it was such a masterpiece when released in 1990 I, you know people have just been talking about it ever since yeah. uh we're talking about days of thunder starring the tom cruise the tom cruise that's right and to, to kind of get us in that 80 late 80s early 90s headspace gabe brought tab Mm-hmm. for us to drink for those who don't know like maybe you're from siberia or something like <laughs> me uh it's a soda mm-hmm. and we're gonna drink it's it a now. diet cola mm-hmm. right because mm. i see it, it it does have aspartame in it mm-hmm. oh, yeah that's just great <laughs> wow <laughs> we may or may not be sponsored by tab hey tab if you're listening to <laughs> yeah. us we'd love to be sponsored by you so they still make it they do. Yeah. I was really surprised to see it uh, in the store. Which and store did you... Gelson's. Wow. Who knew? You told me Ralph's. I'm a little disappointed that you changed mm. the story. I, I, I mean... uh, wanted it to be fresh when we started the recording, <laughs> so I changed it up on you. I mean, Gabe doesn't want people to think he shops at Ralph's. He wants people to think mm-hmm. he shops always at Gelson's. Mm. Right. I've got this presidential image <laughs> <laughs> to maintain, clearly. I think, Sasha, you wanted to dive in a little bit on this bio, right? There were You had a few questions about... I normally just let the bio go, uh-huh. but I couldn't help but ask about driving Meghan Markle mm-hmm. to a high school dance. Yeah, so... Do tell. Uh, she went to the sister high school, to the all-boys Catholic high school that I went to. Mm. And so we were sort of friends. Um, we were in plays yeah. together and... What I, plays did you do with Meghan? Uh, I believe it was Oedipus Rex. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's a tough one. It's a... Uh... Mm-hmm. Don't tell Prince Harry about that one. <laughs> Does he know what happens at the end? <laughs> I don't Hopefully know. Not. Probably not. He's never read a play. No, or God, seen one. What do you think it's like to to be Prince Harry, like a member of the British royal family? I don't know. What a ridiculous thing to still exist in the year 2019, but also to have grown up in that. Anyway. It doesn't sound like a lot of hugs, you know? <laughs> True. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a lot of doilies and sitting still and being quiet and hearing it, you know, a clock. Ticking. And people saying, look, he's a prince mm-hmm. and he still can't have perfect hair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for all those listeners who may not have perfect hair. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't. 
Yeah, you do. Oh, thanks. All it's right. pretty good. That's good hair. Oh, thanks. So how did you draw? Like, what was the deal with the oh, dance? Um, so uh, we were kind of friends, and one of her best friend was going with one of my friends, and so the four, I drove the four of us to the dance. Was she talkative in the car? Did she eat snacks? She just sobbed the whole way. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> there were no snacks. There was lots of talking. Um, she's really nice. You know, Gabe, she's I got to so tell you. Yeah. It sounds like you went to the dance with Meghan Markle, and I, I feel like that's how you should be telling the story. Oh, oh, oh. Can we can we edit all the previous stuff out, and we'll just start over, and I'll say I took her to the dance? It sounds like it was a double date, mm-hmm. uh, and you went with Meghan Markle, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. And you that... told her you'll be a princess one day. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. And she really wanted to date me, even though I'm gay, and I was like, listen, I just, I don't think it's going to work out. You and turned was... her down. Yeah. Wow. Oh you turned down Meghan Markle. <laughs> sure. This story sure. is getting better. And better and faker and faker. <laughs> Growing up in Hollywood, you know this is how it works, right? Yeah. I right. mean, right. It's not fake. It's just embellished, punched up. Sure. Speaking of punch ups and a print, like princess, multiple uh, princes, okay. man, right? Princes, princes, princes. Mm-hmm. Speaking of princes, Tom Cruise, a prince yeah. among men for Absolutely. sure. Let's start with that, Gabe. Do you love Tom Cruise? I loved this era Tom Cruise. Mm. He was smoking hot. Not that he's unattractive now. Um, he is still very attractive. Yeah, I checked he, out his latest photos on purpose. I went Tom Cruise to 2019. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, still still, still. That's good always looking. the move. Mm-hmm. Actor like, name 2019. <laughs> and he's got great floppy hair. And... He's got a lot of hair in this movie. And it yeah. is... All over the place. Yeah, not Just a lot of hair product. No, because mm. he's so fast. Yeah. Mm. The gel can't hold on. <laughs> well, the same with Nicole Kidman's hair. True. It's a lot. Do you know, guys, this TV show Bangkok Hilton? Sure don't. No. No, but this Bangkok is... Bangkok Hilton? Like the hotel? Yeah, yeah. And I haven't looked it up since I was like 12 years old. So it's possible that this is just me like blabbing like a dream (laughs) I had. But I'm pretty sure this is the first time I discovered Nicole Kidman before like this movie. Like it's like an old TV show that I guess takes place in Bangkok, you know, but it's probably Australian show. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this lady is amazing. And Hmm. she had the same hair. Like, she's very young, like, same, like, you know, flowy hair, curly yeah. hair. And she was a great actress, and I discovered her at that time. And, like, no one, yeah, knows this TV show, so it may or may not exist. Was it a show about people working in a hotel? I feel like there's, like, a prison situation going on. Prison? Yeah. I'll tell you so, what. The Hilton usually feels like a prison for me. <laughs> a guy who's used to staying at, at the seasons? Ritz-Carlton. Ooh. That was your Rich Carlton voice. I liked it. I liked it. It was very soothing. Yeah, this is ASMR. This is ASMR now. Uh, so Days of Thunder mm-hmm. is a NASCAR film. Sure is. It was uh, sponsored by, like, not sponsored, but it was made yeah, in partnership with NASCAR because at the time when the movie was made, NASCAR wasn't a big national event. It, like uh-huh. it was very regional, very localized, mm-hmm. and so that kind of brought it out there for the masses, wow. supposedly. Uh, directed by Tony Scott, who mm-hmm. has already worked with Tom Cruise in uh, Top Gun, which was late '80s. All right, the movie starts with how the... does it start, Gabe? Yeah, Gabe. Uh, so we <laughs> see an opening montage of Americana. I could have done without the Confederate flag, but you know what? Nobody asked me. I was nine. When you it was see made. it a few times. Yeah. Along with all the product placement that this movie holds. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, a lot. It's a lot. And, uh, and then uh, Randy Quaid is visiting Robert Duvall 
Um, on a who, farm. On a farm. And Beautiful farm. Mm. Makes me want to be a farmer. Was Robert Duvall ever young? He's always looked like this character <laughs> to me. I Even in The same. Godfather, he's already like... Balding a little bit. I was like looking at him and thinking, how is he still alive? Not because he looks super old in that movie, but just knowing that he, he was, gets older. He gets you don't get younger mm. as a person. You get older. But he's pretty spry in this movie. Yeah, there's lots of running. He's yeah. lots, there's lots of racing on foot. A lot of spoiler alert. <laughs> playing grab ass with uh, Tom Cruise. Who can blame him? Um, that ass. There's like a very nice ass shot. Yeah. Of, can we talk about it first? Yeah, we sure, sure can. When he shows up, right? Like mm-hmm. the first like. You're ta- now you're talking about the character Cole Trickle. Cole oh. Trickle, played by Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, a, an LA native. Much like Gabe. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, Eagle Rock. Okay, can we just all stop and talk about this before we talk about his ass? Eagle Rock, California. Like, mm-hmm. I called my boyfriend who was shooting a Netflix show in Canada, and I said, did you know that Cole Trickle from Days of Thunder is from Eagle Rock, California? He said, you are fucking kidding me. <laughs> and I had to record, like, a video of it, like, from my laptop and send it to him to prove it because it's a huge deal. Yeah, and when Randy Quaid tells everybody that he's from California, people are like, oh, boy. Is he a Yankee? He's like, no, he's from California. He's not much of anything. He's like, you said it. And <laughs> the audience cheered. The audience cheered. And At every screening across America, totally. the audience gave a round of applause. And a quick explanation why I'm so excited about Eagle Rock, California, is because this is where we are right now mm-hmm. recording this podcast. Sasha's going to give the address right now. Go. <laughs> so, yeah, the ass, right? Can we talk about his ass yeah. real quick? Yeah. So Go after uh, Randy Quaid uh, visits Robert Duvall, who is, what is his name? It's it's something Harry. Hog. Harry, Harry Hog. All the names in this wow. are just Great names. I didn't realize Delightful. that was his name. Yeah. Well, it's H-O-G-G-E, Harry so maybe it's Hogge, but probably not. <laughs> Doubt it. I don't think so. Um, but so he visits him on the farm and wants him to build a race car. And he's out of the game. And so, anyway, so they go to a racetrack. And that's where we first get to see Tom Cruise. And the ass in question. The ass in question is well lit. A profile shot. It is very well lit. (laughs) Uh, And you get to see a profile of it as he checks out the car and leans in the car window. Those jeans, like, they fit really well. And never did I ever, like, notice an ass like that. Hmm. But this was like stood this out. One for stood me. out. To you. Stood this out. One to popped me. out. Yeah, I even like rewind it, and I was like, "Wow, not <laughs> wow. bad." Yeah, I, I'm not like a big ass woman, but you know what? This looked good. It's a glowing ass endorsement. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Very mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. All it takes is the right ass <laughs> to make anyone an ass woman or an ass man. <laughs> so right. Cole takes this car for a spin. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know what he's doing. He's a rookie, right. okay? Like right. he's, he's he's been racing in the Indy car circuit, which is a totally different type of car. Mm-hmm. It's the cars that have the wheels outside of the yes. car. It's not the stockers. Now, the I just Formula have to say, One this is car. very important. Gabe Mountain, our guest, is a huge car aficionado. So he can oh, okay. like break it down for us Great. really well. Much like Cole Trickle, I know nothing about cars. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> well, but I, I drive it... really well. Well, you got here, which I thought I was did. super impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't, I don't know a ton about racing, but I thought one of the reasons I thought this movie was great was if you didn't know anything about it, they, it, it, I mean, it seemed like they were trying to educate people about it. There's like throughout the film, there's different parts where they, you know, talk about the terminology. Well, the and sweet stuff. and low on the leg of Nicole Kidman, oh. which we'll get back to that. Yeah. Yes. And I think that may be the reason why the movie, one of the main reasons the movie didn't perform so well theatrically is because it's almost like. Too inside baseball for a lay woman or a layman. And it's too, like, 
unbelievable for a person that knows a lot about it. Like, mm. that was my judgment of it. Because I was like, whoa, drafting, they're really explaining it. And I'm like looking it up on Wikipedia and figuring out what drafting is. And mm. it's so fascinating how physics works and races. Mm. Yeah, that was my interjection. That's that a was good rude. interjection. That was rude. No, it's fine. That was yeah. Sasha interfering. It's a tab, tab working on me. <laughs> well, there's aspartame and tab. There's aspartame in sweet and low. That's true. It's a yeah. full circle moment. I want to make it clear. Sasha was not using a euphemism when she said the sweet and low on Nicole Kidman's <laughs> leg. It's literal packets of sweet and low mm-hmm. that Tom Cruise is using to explain drafting to her. Because she, a doctor, knows nothing about physics. Here's the thing. like I was 19 when I came to this country. So a lot of things, I have like gaps in knowledge. Because I'm like, did I learn it in Russian? Because I never learned it in English. Mm-hmm. you know, And I cannot remember. So is drafting a concept that you just guys walk around in your head and you totally know what's going on? I mean, it's all I talk about. Mm-hmm. I notice. And I'm like, what is he talking about? Every time you draft, I'm like, close the windows? Why? Finally, you've seen this movie and all of the conversations <laughs> you've had with Gabe make sense. I only know what drafting is from playing like car racing video games oh i I probably wouldn't know what it was otherwise yeah and i just from watching racing and i think that there's something about semi trucks also doing it to conserve fuel like Hmm. getting into the slipstream airstream behind another truck right which is what the explanation of drafting you just gave is basically yeah a car traveling by itself at high speed is less efficient in its movement and usage of fuel than two cars going one behind another one like they create this like pocket of the way the air distributes is that they both conserve energy and they move at lesser like yeah ex- Tom, Tom Cruise describes it as them dividing the air resistance up between the two of them which I don't know if that is no it's dumbing down correct no it's dumbing it down I think that he was dumbing it down in, in hopes that people would understand the general idea of it but it's, we're dumbing it down in hopes Tom Cruise would understand it right guys Zing. Tom Cruise knew a lot about it because the reason this movie exists is because him and Paul Newman were working on a movie, The Color of Money, mm. and Paul Newman is a big race car enthusiast. Yeah, he's in cars. And he turned Tom Cruise onto racing. And so Tom Cruise was racing because Paul Newman like gave him like race car to race. And so Tom Cruise was going 175 miles an hour. He's like, woo, this is so good. We have to make a movie about it. And this is how the movie was born. Wow. Tom Cruise has a story by credit on the, on the movie, I think. Yes, he does. That's, wow, that's interesting. But the big people behind this movie, of course, are Don Simpson mm-hmm. and Jerry Brockheimer. Right. Already in the production logo, you've got lightning for the Jerry Bruckheimer production logo. Already in 1990. Now, the lightning's not striking a tree just yet, but I was shocked. Very insider. As early as 1990, (laughs) he already knew he was going to have lightning in his production company logo. You just know there's going to be some explosions, some things flipping around. Hell yeah. And there is. Mm -hmm. So what happens next? (laughs) Um, So they are forming a team because uh, Randy Quaid is trying to get a sponsor. He's uh, he owns a bunch of Chevy dealerships. We've all been there and uh, wants to get a sponsor for this race team and is pairing, you know, an old timer uh, mechanic who builds cars with uh, Tom Cruise's character, Cole Trickle, a name which has always delighted me and made me laugh. <laughs> well, there was a Dan Trickle, a real race really? car. Yeah, but he's not based on him. Right. And they're just like going down the list of the names and they're like, I like Trickle. And they pulled that name. It is so interesting. You know, like I've seen movies before. I know characters have made up names, but every time he told someone his name, 
It just felt like the person should have said, excuse me. Yeah, these are all great. And Cole Trickle combined with his later sponsor of his race car, Mellow Yellow, just I could not. As a, as a kid, I was smitten and amused. Which they never said out loud, Yellow Mellow. Right. But it is an actual like mm. yes. product placement that sure. then raised Yellow Mellow's sales by mid-90s from this movie like exponentially. Wow. A lot of research here, as you can tell. <laughs> I should have brought that. But anyway, Tab is what I saw. So Tab's what we got. One thing we should mention, the reason Robert Duvall is out of the game is because the last car that he worked on that he set up, I think is the way they keep talking about it. You set up the car. The driver died during a race. Not ideal. Not ideal. Not not Um, what you want to have happen. And that's John C. Riley's character's dad in the movie, which I thought was an interesting reveal. Yeah. 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 Which is kind of like an aside. It was like a throwaway thing. Like, oh, yeah, it's, that. It seems like if you're going to have that, that character should be more of a presence in the movie. I'm okay with that. I don't need a lot of John C. Riley. I know he's everybody's oh, favorite. I, you know, I thought John C. Riley looked looked real cute in this movie. Very Young John cute. C. Riley. I sure, wanted sure. a little more of him. Yeah, no, to me, it was just the right amount. What about you, Gabe? How yeah, much? I think that was fine. He was like, he lightened up stuff a little bit. He would say sort of funny things or sort of stupid things to Robert Duvall. It was just, he was a nice sidekick. We didn't need all of him. I mean, Tom Cruise was kind of larger than life and the sweet and low. I mean, there was a lot going on. Again, not a euphemism, literal sweet and low. (laughs) We'll get to it, all right? Uh, So yeah, I'd say the first 30 minutes or so of this movie are about kind of Tom Cruise and Robert Duvall finally meshing. Yes. Uh, Because at first they butt heads because they just approached this thing so differently but they quickly become fast friends once Tom Cruise admits that he does not know anything about cars. There's also another character introduced who challenges Tom Cruise's cold trickle a lot. He's like the number one guy. Michael Rooker's, what's the? Uh, Rowdy. Rowdy, Rowdy Burns. Mm-hmm. A, a normal name, which is a nice change from <laughs> cold trickle. How would you describe Rowdy Burns? He looks kind of like a... Uh, villain in a diehard movie to me which michael rooker probably has been right (laughs) right right. he's uh, got a real serious face a set jaw very determined and uh and his character is the uh is the owner of the car the race car that tom cruise borrows to kind of show everybody what he's got as a rookie like he's just he's coming from indy to uh, stock car racing he's like what's the big deal i can just get in here and do this and then he does a great job um, he's also um, a champion, right? He's, yes. He's the standing champion at NASCAR right now, I believe. Or like in the 500. Yes. So, or Daytona or 500. Daytona, Winston Cup, Daytona. I, hmm. I was a little lost with like all this like 500s going on, but hmm. I know what Tom Cruise's character was going for is to win Daytona 500. And so that was a very well-established goal right away. This is what he's going for while the dude knows mm-hmm. nothing yeah. about he racing. He does establish immediately his, what he wants. Yeah, and he promises that he's going to win. Efficient screenwriting. Yeah. Very efficient. So then they get on the racetrack and, um, you know, while Tom Cruise's cold trickle is really good by himself, the moment he gets in the crowd during the actual race, Rowdy Burns starts fucking with him really bad. And by that, I mean just crashing into him bad. Rubbing. Rubbing, yeah. To quote Duval's Harry Hog, (laughs) rubbing is racing. Yeah. So they've, you know, they, they finally get on the same page. Uh, Tom Cruise wins his first race, and um, he learns the lingo of how to explain if your car is not working. Did you guys know that NASCAR cars, like stock cars, are built to turn left easily? 
but they are not built to turn easily to the right because all the race is going to the left. Wow. So I didn't know that. actually Tom Cruise broke a $100,000 camera because when he was rehearsing early in the film, he was told by a consultant who is a racer himself. He said, just careful when you turn to the right because it's not the same as turning to the left. And he did not listen because he's Tom fucking Cruise. <laughs> and so he turned to the left and it was super easy. And then he turned to the right and like the car spinned out of control and the camera that was attached to the side of the car just smashed against the wall and hundred thousand dollars later that's how he learned his lesson wow he kind of enters this movie fully formed like athena from zeus's head i feel like you're all already supposed to be like i know who this character is I'm on board with him, almost as if it is a sequel to Top Gun. Which mm-hmm. it sort of is. It's been referred to as Top Gun on Wheels, right? Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There are a lot of similarities. I'm not gonna lie, um, <laughs> but there are some there are some differences. Um, why don't you tell? Why don't we take this this opportunity, Gabe, for you to tell us why do you love Days of Thunder? Well, I love cars, so that was an easy that was an easy end for me. And then I just like the way that the movie tells the story. There's a love story. There's a lot of action. There's some heart. There's some fighting. It just feels like a summer blockbuster in a way that, uh, I don't know, I don't watch, I haven't watched a lot of the Marvel movies. So it just reminds me of a time when movies came out in summer and it was a huge deal and you would wait from Christmas till summer to see these movies. And I felt like this movie delivers on what a summer blockbuster is supposed to be. Without being a Marvel movie. Yeah. Right almost like before Marvel movies became the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with Harry Hogg, you know, talking to his cars, it's kind of like the forerunner to the animated movie cars. It's not. It's not at all. <laughs> um, we don't know what inspired what. No, we don't. Sasha, what did you think of uh, the movie almost starts with a montage when he builds that car? And I know you don't like montages. Early on, I don't <laughs> like montages. I brought it up before in our podcast. And I'm glad you're asking because I did make a note. This montage doesn't bother me. Okay. Whoa. Yeah. Well, uh, so there's montage first of uh, Robert Duvall building the car. And then there's a montage of Coltrickle learning how to drive the car. Mm-hmm. You know, this movie has a very interesting pacing for me. Editing-wise, it captures almost the subject of what they're talking about race car driving like it's mm. fast without yeah. being dizzying right that's, uh, that's tony scott that's his whole style you know like his movies are fast but not in a way that you can't track them or um, you know because it's such a exemplary i think hollywood script mm-hmm. and sure like Roger Ebert gave it a positive review, actually saying that this is a perfect Tom Cruise vehicle, no pun intended, hmm. because... I bet has, he intended that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it has all the elements of a Tom Cruise vehicle, such as Tom Cruise character, the mentor, the taller woman that he's in love with, and the arena where he performs, and the craft that he learns, and the antagonist he has to overcome, and right. stuff like that. Which, in general, is like what a good, you know, hero's journey type of Hollywood movie should be mm-hmm. anyway. But it just worked for me. Like, just building the car, sure, have that quick montage. And, you know, Hans's music. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hans knocked it out of the park with this one. Yeah, I loved it. Because it opens with this great, you know, like, almost patriotic uh, 
cheering score and then i was like man who wrote this score and then on the on the screen popped up hans zimmer the answer came of course he did so gabe what what happens after this what what happens next after cole wins his first race pride cometh before the fall so (laughs) right Right. and i mean you know if you know what's going to happen i mean they've they've had their come to jesus moment you know they've he's learned the lingo he knows what to how to say the car's loose he doesn't mean slutty and then, you know, after they get their sponsor, things are going very well and uh, disaster strikes. And though I followed the pacing of the movie very well and I like how it's shot because I don't think like in a Transformers movie, when the Transformers are fighting, I have no idea what's happening or who's winning or yeah. anything. It's just never, gears. You can never tell what's going on. But here I could see like the cars all have a distinctive color and I don't know, you can just see what's happening. But uh, when there is the crash where both Rowdy Rowdy, it just sounds wrong in my mouth. <laughs> Rowdy and Cole are injured. The montage that happens afterwards that's supposed to be them going into the hospital and them getting checked out and all that stuff, I thought was a little bit confusing. But maybe, I mean, I guess <laughs> I guess it made you feel like maybe you were in an accident too with like kind of being confused and what's happening and he can't, Tom Cruise can't see and, you know, Rowdy's angry. I mean, his name's Rowdy, so I'm not surprised about that. But. <laughs> and this is also where we are introduced to yes. Nicole Kidman's character, Dr... Claire Lewicki. Who wears white even when she's yes. not wearing her doctor's uh, outfit because she wants to remind people around her that she is indeed a neurosurgeon. Well, although later in the movie, she's very upset that Tom Cruise is making her act like a doctor. When uh, she was makes that? it at one when she's getting mad at him, mm-hmm. she gets mad at him and is like, "You're you're crazy. You you don't care about that. Anyone's safety. You're making me sound like a doctor." Like, and crikey? then she storms she off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she drives the parking garage. She drives a white car. Oh. She has white skin, like very pale. I mean, it's it's all about all I don't know, white stuff. And I mean, this movie must have taken place after Labor Day. So what a faux pas that is. Uh, She is, uh, as introduced, a very no-nonsense doctor uh, in charge of clearing Cole and Rowdy to get back on the racetrack after uh, some head trauma. Um, Well, there was a big crash on the track ahead of them, right? And so they kind of got, in the smoke and in the chaos of it, they got both hit, right? Mm, yeah, Cole hits into Rowdy and their cars flip and they get airlifted to the hospital. Still happy music underneath all that, which is very interesting. <laughs> Classic Hans. Mm-hmm. At first, she does not seem very interested in Tom Cruise. Until he puts her hand on his dick. <laughs> yeah, that's in, that's an interesting scene. Gabe, tell us about it. <laughs> um, so a little bit earlier in the movie, after uh, Cole Trickle has won his first race, um, the team is traveling in their huge semi to wherever they're going, Hooters, I have no idea, somewhere. And um, they get uh, pulled over by these two squad cars. A very attractive officer gets out. Um, very. They, they um, <laughs> get everybody out of the semi, get them lined up against the truck, and um, she frisks him, and when she gets to his member... Um, we see it, it right there, right. right? We see the bulge, for sure. For do sure. you think that was his real I've been business? asking myself for a while. What do you think, Gabe? No. I mean, it's probably a cup. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, the pants were certainly tight enough for it to be, but uh, I don't body know. Body double? I would say body double. I'm going to go a with that. A penis double? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Classic Hollywood knowledge. And she's a woman that has offered herself up to him is kind of the implication. She says, is... your friends thought you'd like me. <sighs> and I hope she's... A sex worker at this point. 
hey, all more power to her, right? You know. But if uh, she's not, then I feel weirder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but also, you know, maybe she, she's a big fan. She seems happy with the situation. Yeah, she's no, under no duress. It doesn't seem she's, like she's making her choices, which is all that we can ask for. Mm-hmm. No one's making these choices for her. No. Another actor in that scene, one of the other cops, is a, his name is Nick Searcy. He's on. Um, he was on Justified. Uh, he's like the head of the whatever government agency that is, and it just every character actor with a southern accent is in this movie including Margot Martindale, who's in one scene at the beginning of the movie. Yes. She has no lines. She's just sitting in the background of the scene, timing Cole Trickle as he goes around the racetrack. Well, I bet you it has to do with the fact that this movie was taking three months longer to shoot than originally planned mm. because the producers, Don Simpson and Jerry Brockheimer, plus Robert Towney. I think it's just Town. Robert Town. They were fighting the whole time mm-hmm. for every shot. And since Don Simpson, who always wanted, I guess, to become an actor, he, like, forced the screenwriter to write four-page scene for him. But it ended up being just a one-liner. So, because the editor showed up on the set, and he was like, this guy cannot act. I can, there's, he's never going to be in this film. Is he in the final cut? He is. He's in the beginning. He says something like, oh, I hope, like, I win, and this guy doesn't make it, or something. And so... Pivotal. But, like, yeah, but, like... All while he's having crazy parties. Apparently, they, they, I mean, Brockheimer and Simpson, they converted a hotel mm-hmm. into a private gym for $400,000 and put a sign that said Days of Thunder at the front. And they were having crazy parties with rappers and stuff on the beach. And they were giving Hell away yeah. designer dresses, mostly Don Simpson designer dresses to attractive women to sleep with them. And so Brockheimer was the only one who was actually doing any work and Don Simpson was just partying like crazy, apparently. So was Simpson and Bruckheimer fighting with each other or was it the two of them fighting with town? Everybody was fighting. Everyone's fighting. And um, because of that, the production just got delayed by three months, which is insane how much money. So from $35 million... Ballooned. Ballooned to 70-some million Mm -hmm. dollars, which is double in our money today. And a lot of times the crew would just sit there waiting. And they said the overtime like made this crew guys later take like a four-month vacation because they had all this extra money <laughs> from this working on this film. So what I'm saying is that because all this crazy stuff was going on, they might have had like decent scenes for Margot Martindale and other people, but they just they just cut it out because at the end of this chaos, they forgot to shoot Cole's car winning Daytona going through the finish line. So they had to like pull that shot like after production was shut down and like reshoot it. Wow. Anyway, it sounds like a complete nightmare. I guess that explains why Jerry Bruckheimer then goes on to be the only person in that production company logo. No longer a Simpson Bruckheimer production. Right. Well, Paramount fires them after this film. A year prior to this film, they make a five-year... Uh, contract with them like overall deal like make whatever you want and and then seeing how this movie is doing they tear that contract and they're like you both are fired so they have to move on and have the second sort of phase of their producing life until 1996 when simpson dies i see wow crazy story. i love the story behind the movie um <laughs> and that's that's what i'm blaming for why i was confused during the medical montage after the accident <laughs> yeah probably the medical montage well you know of, of rowdy and cole being wheeled into the trauma center we meet claire which is i, I just hate that name for her but anyway uh it's a good Le name Wiki. just not Le yeah it's just claire she's not a claire Le Wiki not... looking woman she's mm-hmm. just not mm-hmm. um 
but I was able to get past that. Lots of prank. No, anyway. Um, and <laughs> but I just the for for a movie that I thought explained everything and and you know even taught us all the lingo and stuff. I thought that the actual accident and the medical montage was I mean of them getting into the hospital and getting to the point where we find out if they're going to be medically cleared or not was just very chaotic. So yeah, they need to get cleared to get back on the track. Uh, and Claire says no way. Uh, she needs to see some improvement in their physical health before she'll let them race again. Uh, and in this time, they become friends, which is cute. They, they have Tom a, Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Oh. <laughs> All, everyone becomes friends during this time. Uh, Rowdy and Cole become friends. Right, that's they the have big a, turn. That's the big sort of yeah. like midpoint turn of the script is that, whoa, we thought this was the antagonist of the film, but he's not because they become fast friends, mm-hmm. actually. The head of NASCAR, played by Fred Thompson, uh, tells them if they uh, hit each other again, he's going to kick them out of uh, NASCAR. And uh, they decide, instead of settling this on the track... Let's settle it with rental cars on the L.A. River. (laughs) Sounds funny, but based on the real story, apparently, there were two racers early on in the 50s that were dude all the time. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, they beat the hell out of these rental cars, and in the end, they find common ground as two lovers of speed uh, and chrome. If early 90s American cars did anything, it was bring people together. Um, make them get over their differences. Um, the Taurus, the Lumina, you know, they're all peacekeeping cars. Yeah, so they're friends now. Tom woos Claire by seemingly just by sending her a lot of flowers. That That is the turning point for her, right? Like, she is wholly uninterested in him until one day she gets home and there's too many flowers there. And that is... All of a sudden, she is turned on a dime, and now she likes him. And she wants to fly out because right? she's too busy, right, to date right. anybody. Well, and he also calls her boss to get her time off, which, you know, when you're starting to court with someone, <laughs> what you want is for them to get involved in your career and, you know, complain to your boss about your working hours. Oh, we didn't even finish the fact that because this th- his friends hire this uh, woman to pretend to be a cop and grope him, uh, when he wakes up in the hospital, he thinks they've done the same thing with Nicole Kidman. And so he grabs her hand, puts it on his dick, uh, and everyone thinks it's hilarious. And she handles it pretty well. Yeah. The sure. dick or the joke? Both. <laughs> <laughs> All of it. Yeah, maybe that's the part of why she Nicole likes Nicole Kidman touched his dick? Or she touched anything before that I scene? was wondering. That, that scene made me think about like their marriage and, and the whole thing. That's another layer that I liked about this was it was kind of around the time that they were doing like Far and Away. But I liked I did like the layer of that's they're how they married. Met. Yeah, of that of the, them knowing each other in real life. I don't know. Six mm. months later, after the movie was done, they got married. Wow. And look at him now. <laughs> Not married. <laughs> Not speaking. <laughs> We don't know. Presumably, I don't know. It might be. Texting. Maybe they do, maybe they call each other on the phone. You know, maybe they have a good friendship. You think now. Keith is alright with that? Oh, her current husband, Keith mm-hmm. Urban, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. country music singer. Yeah, also Australian. Also shorter than her. She's got a type. How tall is she? Five ten. I don't know. She's. I'm a... gonna go with five eleven. That's just my guess. We'll never know. No, there's no <laughs> way for us to know. <laughs> So they fall in love. He uh, puts Sweet and Low on her legs. Rowdy, however, is not cleared to get back on the track. She doesn't clear him. Rowdy has a persistent brain injury uh, that he is choosing to ignore. 
He has a blood clot in his brain. Mm, which I thought it was a hemorrhage. Is that the same thing? No. no uh, blood clot is, I think, like, like there's mm. no blood flow. Hemorrhage is like there's lots of blood flow or mm. something. So they say opposite. A clot would be like a blockage. Thank whereas you. a hemorrhage is a bleed. Hey, his brain needs a fixing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. While Cole has been off the track, the team has replaced him with a new driver uh, played by Kerry Elways. And what a dick. Right Ugh. away, you just yeah. hate that guy. Hate, 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 hate. <laughs> hate. And once Cole has been cleared to race again, Randy Quaid sets up a second team so that Kerry Elways can also keep racing. And we now see... Oh, Carrie Elwes is the true antagonist of this film. Later, you know, in the film, it's like, oh, wait, there is an antagonist. Yeah. <laughs> but I did like that Rowdy, I thought, was going to be the, the antagonist for the entire film. And like midway through, it's like, nope, we're besties. And then there yeah. was like a new guy, um, Mr. Princess Bride, comes in and um, hilarity ensues. I like, I don't know. I liked that. I wasn't expecting it. It's a, yeah, That's the unusual turn of the story. And Randy Quaid also becomes a sort of antagonist, too. He's become seduced by the sponsorship money, and he's wearing nicer suits now and sunglasses, and he has less time for Cole, more time for Carrie Elwes. And Cole is is like afraid to race now, right? Mm. PTSD. Mm -hmm. It's real. After his accident, he's being very careful on the track, um, and Robert Duvall can see it in him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he knows that's no way to win. But at this point, Cole Trickle can speak. He can talk cars really well. He can mm. explain what's going on with his car if it's not doing well while his crew is in the pit listening to him over the headphones. Mm. Speaking mm. of headphones, apparently they were turning in these lines like for the movie. They were constantly having rewrites like the day off, which never happens for movies, right? Like it's a very mm. TV sort of situation, like having rewrites, the day off. So a lot of times Tom Cruise had to race and look down to see his lines on the dashboard mm. and then speak them up or like have somebody in his ear tell him what it, the lines are. Kind of like texting Imagine. and driving. <laughs> yeah, he started it. Sasha, I have a question for you. Are, did you, had you seen this movie? Have you ever seen this movie before? Do you have any connection to NASCAR or car racing in any way? No, yeah. to all of it. Uh-huh. What about you? Um, no, I mean, I've heard of the movie. I think I've maybe seen some clips, but I, I've never seen it before. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't know much about NASCAR. This was like a primer for me. Well, I know about NASCAR from, I guess it's NASCAR or just racing, I should mm-hmm. say, from documentary Senna, an amazing documentary. Highly recommend it. Mm. What a great film. So this is like the one time I learned more about car racing that I ever knew before. Tell us a little more about that documentary. I don't remember anything about it, except that it was great. Listener, we don't have to do all the work for you. Go type it into Google yourself. (laughs) S-E-N-N-A. Check it out. It's about, you know, a racer who is pretty great and bad shit happens to him. Mm. He runs out of sweet and low, so he can't explain (laughs) drafting to anybody. That's the big turn in his story. Cole is, uh, all of the relationships in his life are, are kind of going down the drain. Uh, Robert Duvall feels like he's not being honest with him. Uh, same thing, Claire, you know, feels like he he's not uh, admitting things to himself. Uh, Rowdy is hiding his brain injury from himself. Everyone's hiding things from themselves. Uh, and Tom just can't race. You know, and uh, Carrie Elwes is driving him crazy because he's rubbing him on the track and nobody's doing anything about it. And eventually Tom Cruise just 
almost T-bones him out on the track after Carrie Elwes wins a race. Tom Cruise right? still so wins Right, so it's post-race rage, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, road rage after the fact. Um, yeah, road rage is real. Yeah, even in 1990. And uh, that takes him... That takes him to his low point of the film. And then we can start the uh, the redemption portion of it. And um, how does that... Breaking, what, what breaking down the scripts, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he gets fired. And so where does he where does he turn, Gabe? What does he do? Well, he goes and he sees Rowdy because Rowdy is not taking care of his brain injury. He, d- he comes from a family that does not see doctors. Nicole Kidman's like, why hasn't Tom Cruise been to see him? You know, has it been to visit him and Robert Duvall is like you know a racer doesn't want to go see someone in the hospital doesn't want to go to a funeral because it's what could be for them it could be their future it, it freaks them out but eventually uh Cole Trickle man's up woman's up whatever he goes and has a very emotional visit with Rowdy to get him to go get checked out and after you know confirming that he is probably never going to race again Rowdy asks Tom Cruise aka T- Cole Trickle to drive his car because his sponsorship is at stake and all the stuff that that rowdy wants for his own family all of the promises and dreams that he had are going to be for naught unless tom cruise races i'm surprised at that point i'm like so the sponsors would still be cool with sponsoring him even though it's a different driver so why are they sponsoring well but they don't they don't right because they have to find mellow yellow to be this because rowdy's sponsor up to that point is exxon and it's only uh, when Cole takes over that car that it's mellow yellow. I I, I, I imagine a lot of it is R- Rowdy's pride, right? That right. that that car, that number, whatever his number is, right? But for the story, they're him. saying like it's gonna save his family. I'm right. Sure, uh, it is. And it doesn't make any sense, <laughs> dear listeners. If you have some insider information that you can share with us, please email us at the email provided in the description of this podcast because mm-hmm. i do want to know how does that gonna work maybe rowdy gets a, a big rental fee on his car yeah from maybe. cole if cole uses it he gets a percentage and that's gonna buy him that 10 million dollar farm that he talks about when nicole kidman and tom cruise go to visit uh, rowdy and his wife um maybe so cole's got a car again right he, now he has to convince duval to set it up for him uh, in a in a very emotional scene, where they finally talk about why John C. Riley's dad died. Because before, in the first act, Duval lies to Trickle, and I want to say to John C. Riley's character too, yeah. that John C. Riley's character's father had died from a massive heart attack, not from the accident that was a result of the car malfunction. In the expense of like making the car faster, you make it more dangerous, that kind of thing. So the idea, I guess, is that the car crashed and he had a heart attack in reaction to the crash? No, that he was just randomly driving when he had a uh, massive heart attack. And so he spinned out of control and died because mm-hmm. of that. But this is not true. It's not true. And I what wonder if John C. Riley knows. <laughs> I was, truth is, I was he killed the man. Confused well, yeah, he, I think that he... I, I thought that when we see that first montage of Robert Duvall 
Harry Hogg. <laughs> um, it's never not going to be <laughs> it's funny. It's a great name. Um, building the car, he he talks to the car about what he's going to do to it. He's going to make it so he can store an extra gallon of gas in the fuel line. He's going to make it so he's going to make the, I thought the roll cage thinner, presumably to save weight, make the car faster because I believe that the engines and the car setups are generally the same. So I thought that that may have contributed to John C. Riley's dad dying that the car had been futzed with. And so it was less safe um, or maybe the setup was too aggressive. Yeah, I think it all has to do with basically Duval, like the mentor guy, knowing how a racist mind works. Right. And so he knows that a racer won't go to a funeral unless it's his own, etc. And so he does what he does to make the car go fast, but he doesn't tell the truth to the racer. So it doesn't get in their head. It also seems like he's he blames himself for that racer's death because he he shouldn't have let him get in the car doesn't he suggest that that like yeah. he could see that that guy was afraid the way that tom cruise is afraid now and uh, he shouldn't have let him get in it that whole scene i i was having trouble tracking that scene uh and i watched this movie twice and yeah, i still so had watched this twice I was shocked when she told me that. Wow. A first for the podcast. That's commitment. Yeah. Or were you so confused by the first viewing <laughs> that you had I, to watch it again? I felt like the world was so kind of hard to track for me. The world and like sort of, and a lot of men just looked the same to me. Like a lot of white men in general, like look the same mm-hmm. to me. And so I was just trying to track who is who a lot and what's happening. And also I liked the movie enough that I was like, and it won't hurt me to watch it again. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. Spoiler so alert. I liked the movie enough. So Put that I... on the box. I liked the movie enough. Wow. Well, and we do see, um, you know, the, the payoff for um, Harry Hogg, Robert Duvall's lying is that, you know, isn't that why Cole Trickle wins his first race? It's because, you know, he's uh, uh, Duvall says to him, like, I've got these tires on it. You're going to be able to do this. You can do it. And that gives Cole the, the confidence to to win. So it, it, it does work and that kind of pushing does work it's just like you can go too far yeah and those tires were bs they were regular tires regular tires but he he tells cole they're special and that's what lets cole push the car because cole does what no one else does he passes on the outside right he goes up on the track cole's the only one and maybe it's specifically on turn four but cole's the only one who is passing on the outside on turn four and it becomes a special move, and it's this this idea of these special tires that gives him the courage to do it. And it turns out it was bullshit, but he likes that Robert Duvall lied to him, you know, give him that little push. Harry Hogg. Uh, right. <laughs> this, is at the be- this is at the beginning of the movie, and now at the end of the movie here, Tom is trying to convince him to get back out there with him one last time. It's the opposite, right? So, like, they just sort of almost switch places. Mm-hmm. Like, now he's in control almost. Uh, and he finally gets Duvall to agree. And for some reason, Randy Quaid also helps them out. That's a very tricky part for me. Yeah. Like Randy Quaid gives them the engine the from the engine. car that Cole had been driving up to this point. Because it's a problem. Like it's one of the like obstacles mm-hmm. is that they don't have the good engine for this car or right. something. Right. And so in the next scene we see him looking over at Randy Quaid and he like winks or something. Right. It doesn't if... make any sense because Randy Quaid just fired him. And also, we don't see this scene. I mean, it feels right. like they shot a scene and they're like, it doesn't work. Because like, it feels like they shot the scene where Harry Hogg goes to see Randy Quaid and he's like, give me the engine because 
I don't know, he has something on him, some dirt, blackmail, who knows? The Star Whackers, or I'm holding the Star Whackers at bay. That's right. And and then they just decide the scene doesn't work because for some reason, Randy Quaid helps them out. In Wikipedia, though, it says that Randy Quaid's character doesn't know that they took the engine, but then it also feels Later like... Later in the movie, well, he They said they says stole it. it. He says they stole the engine. Like And, and like Duvall and Cruz's interactions i get because tom cruise's dad in the film screwed him over and there was this fraud thing and it's it's clear from the way that tom cruise has to learn all this car lingo and stuff to me at least that there's like a Mm father-son dynamic between duvall and cruise um which made their relationship and the lying about the tires so that tom cruise could win more interesting to me because it's like you look up to this guy like a father and he lied to you but you still like him because he's way better than your dad that committed fraud and used your name to sell stuff you know i don't i thought that was interesting but but quaid's character is a little more challenging except that maybe he was trying to drum up publicity by having two you know known racers compete maybe that's better for getting eyes on the sports. I mean, I'm looking too deep into this, but... Um. <laughs> this is the place to look yeah, deep. This is... We try to answer these questions here, uh, but I don't know if we have one because Quaid says later, that's my engine in that car. So he knows that it's in there. We'll never know. We'll never know. A blind know. eye, perhaps. But I don't know. Maybe if more people are watching, then more sponsors will be willing to get on board. Or maybe it's he's... Because he was the underdog, he identifies, even though he didn't want to take it on. Dear listeners, um, if you have any what's good... What's your interpretation? Yeah, what's your interpretation? Email us at the email that I cannot remember right now, provided in the mm-hmm. description of the podcast. What do you think is going on with Randy Quaid's character in the engine? Thank you. Uh, so the big final race is happening... You know, biggest race of the year. Dr. Claire Lewicki, who normally does not like to watch Cole race, she's even standing there in On the pit. board, in her white suit. Mm-hmm. In all white. <laughs> At a racetrack. It's just poor planning. Speaking of white and black, there's only one black person in this film, and she's there for a hot second, and she's the girlfriend of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. of that dude's character. Right. And I'm like, what happened? She doesn't have any lines. Yeah. No, she just so, looks rich. That's what she does. <laughs> they stand there and they look like yuppies. Very uh, white, very white film. Absolutely. In case you didn't realize. <laughs> Pretty white sport. Confederate uh, <laughs> Yeah, everyone was scared away by that Confederate flag. <laughs> uh so this race is happening you know it's pretty it's there might as well not be any other racers on the track because it is just cole and do we know his name uh, russ 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 wheeler mm-hmm. wow what a name because cars have wheels mm. right. uh it's really just the two of them who's gonna emerge victorious and uh we know we all know the answer yeah it's cole Cole emerges victorious. Not with that music. This is a very positive film. <laughs> He's not going right. to die. He's going to make right. it. And, uh, you know, it's a huge celebratory moment. Uh, Claire is so proud of him. And he looks off to the side and he's saying, where's Harry Hogg? Where's my friend Harry's hog? And he sees Harry just kind of sitting there on a kinda barrier. Kind of crying. Yeah, head down, not not with everybody else celebrating. Mm-hmm. And we're like, is he dead? <laughs> <laughs> I was one... Are we learning in this moment that Harry has been a ghost this entire film? Mm-hmm. Or he got just diagnosed with cancer by Nicole Kidman. Right. <laughs> On the sidelines, in the pit, in pit lane. But no, he's just happy, right? That's how he expresses his emotions, all right? He's, yeah. I, I took it as he was touched, you know, and, and was taking a minute, like, after it was all over. 
I don't know, it was he was enjoying the moment, or maybe he was just tired from all that running and racing with Tom Cruise that they do. You think he's tired? You think he's not too tired because. Uh, the final shot of the film, they're going to go to Victory Lane to I celebrate, and Harry says, I'll race you. And what happens, Gabe? And they run they run towards the camera. and Who uh, runs faster? Yeah, who's winning? Um, uh, oh, I didn't even notice. Undeniably. Undeniably. Duvall. Duvall. Harry Hogg has a commanding lead. And it's, it's interesting because Tom Cruise is not doing what has now become his patented... Uh, knife hands run where his hands are just out straight like knives and he runs like he's kind of running like a he looks dorky as hell because he's kind of running like well, he's trying to with, like fist yeah, he's, he's trying to fail like, in this on. race right he's trying to fail oh you think he's yeah. letting Duvall win yeah oh, like that. probably because of the cancer diagnosis <laughs> he's trying to well and, and I noticed in this freeze frame by the way at the yeah end. Love great a freeze, freeze frame. frame come on you get to linger on it, really mm-hmm. soak in all the uh, the winning energy. And uh, this was the first film that I noticed how how small uh, Tom Cruise's feet are. Hmm. You know when he's when Claire is examining him and she does the rollery thing on his feet. Um, Babinski like, method is what it is. I searched it. Eighteen ninety six. It was Whoa. discovered that only a baby's foot, like under two years, was supposed to react by a toe going up. If you hit it like the foot with a, a solid object. Otherwise, it has to go down or you have neurological problems. Mm. Wow. Are we going to try it after this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to try it on <laughs> this recording. We're going to try Great. everything that happened in the movie. We're going to try. Great. Let me up my insurance. <laughs> and then let's go to town. <laughs> Robert Town. That's how the movie concludes, right? We don't know what happens. We don't know if... Uh, Rowdy's surgery is successful or if he dies on the operating table. Um, we don't know if Cole Trickle like stopped racing. And if he did, what is he going to do? Because he says that it's when he's having that final exchange with uh, Claire before he gets, you know, he goes into this final race and she says she's not going to watch him and stuff. Um, he says, this is all I know how to do. Um, so, I mean, I, I because don't... she was trying to the woman always tries to stop the man, you know, from doing his thing. Look, if, I know, she was if I know one thing about women <laughs> in movies, actually, I know two things. Yeah. They're going to try to stop the man from doing what he loves. And they're going to get involved in an inappropriate sexual relationship with someone that they work with or for. <laughs> um, uh, Gabe, why? So we talked through the whole movie, right? Why do you think Days of Thunder does not connect for some people you know why why does this movie have a 39 percent on rotten tomatoes well i mean there's some of the issues that you all have raised where it's it's parts of it are do take a leap of you know uh, a leap of faith and kind of glossing over some logistical things like why would he have the engine and are we not going to talk about tom cruise's real dad i kind of like he's not going to come back or anything it's so and... it so much seems like this is going to be a character in the movie right, right. and uh, when he goes to confront Rowdy to get him to go to the hospital, I thought he was going to meet his dad. Because that scene happens right after he has a big falling out with Nicole Kidman. And right. she's like, what are you going to do? And uh, I thought, oh, wow, he's finally going to go home and, and confront his father. And no, he doesn't. That scene was also shot, but cut out. <laughs> right, probably. 
<laughs> or it was supposed to be shot, but Simpson you was know, the dad. Snorted was the all dad. that money. Totally. Yeah. So yeah, logistic, logistical problems. Story logistics. Um, I think that if you saw, you know, I think that some of the hype of this is Top Gun on wheels could have turned people off. I don't know. Not everyone loves an action movie, and uh, maybe, maybe like Sasha mentioned earlier, maybe some of the lingo of NASCAR and the fact that NASCAR was not a huge phenomenon yet for everybody. You know, maybe that made it less appealing for people to go see. Sasha, what did you think of Days of Thunder? I almost called it Top Gun. I saw Top Gun, obviously, Top Gun before, but I don't remember a single thing about it. Like, I have a weird thing with my memory, which I don't remember what happens in movies after, like, two weeks. I have a weird thing with my memory where I don't remember things. It's a pivotal plot point for Rowdy's character arc because he can't remember winning a race. We need to get Claire in here to examine you. <laughs> To gonna... check your Babinski, Babinski. response. <laughs> Babinski. So I do not remember Top Gun. And based on the fact that I don't remember Top Gun at all, just remember liking it. That's all I remember. Based on that, I am cool with this movie. I am <laughs> on board. I don't like love a blockbuster. Like it's not my thing. More of like indie movie person. But as far as, as much as I could love a big movie like that, it's up there for me. So if Die Hard is a 10. Okay. Right? Would you yes. agree that that's yes. a good comparison? If yes. Die Hard is a 10, because I love Die Hard. So this movie definitely is a strong 7. Like a solid, solid 7 for me. Wow. Yeah. That's great. There was definitely like one moment that I really hated and I played over and over just to be like, am I, something wrong with me? What's what's going on? Is when, <laughs> after Nicole Kidman performs a physical. Oh my God. The scene. Performs a physical on Tom Cruise. Then there's like a weird cut of her waiting outside in the hallway. Mm -hmm. Well, he has he he kisses her at one point. Yeah, he kind of kisses her like um, just like where, whatever. Like Ooh. she's trying to be very professional. Yeah. With this physical because you know it's her job. Yeah, and then he kisses her, and then she stands outside like waiting for him. And he comes out and then he like follows her, and then there's like just the way it's cut is weird. Like they cut it in the middle of his phrase, so then the second part of what he's saying is his mouth is not even opening right. I played it a few times. Oh, like it was definitely like an ADR oh, so and this it was, was your weird. editor brain. Being yeah. Like, my former <laughs> editor brain was like just going off like a siren. He follows her and he says, how could you ignore me like that? And then she turns around and says, I wasn't ignoring you. And then she says it like a big symbol plays. And then she just throws him against the wall, which is fine. Like strong woman, but it was just, there's something really off. I'm like, this transition from the physical to him getting upset to her just throwing him against the wall, it was just not working for me. I was just like, what is going on? It bothered me in my core. I don't know. <laughs> I honestly would give it an eight if that didn't exist in the movie. <laughs> that one scene. It bothered me. It bothered me. It was just like bad filmmaking to me. Bad, bad filmmaking. Mm. But seven is a strong score yeah i feel like that's the highest rating you've given anything yeah we had a couple uh, of sevens done. before but okay. for but for, for something i was familiar with before but mm. for something that is the first time i'm familiarized with it and i'm like great it's pretty good what about you steven um i think the first 30 minutes of this movie are excellent you know the, the whole, harry hogg part the stuff that's that's cold trickle and harry hogg becoming friends and like getting to that first win all of that stuff, I think, is so good. I, I, I'm less uh, taken with everything that happens afterward. Pretty much from the moment that woman dressed as a police officer grabs his penis 
to you know the end of the movie i think the screenwriting kind of goes down you know i the relationships start to make less sense you know i like that uh cole and rowdy become friends but just the the shell of the movie kind of starts to like crack i think which is disappointing because again i really love those first 30 minutes overall though you know like this is a this is a the type of tom cruise performance that he doesn't do anymore right he he he's too old for that right but even beyond that just like Cole Trickle shows vulnerability at several points in the film, which Tom Cruise characters never do anymore. Talented, yeah. but rambunctious. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. The, he gets humbled uh, in ways that he, he never does anymore, uh, except for the movie Edge of Tomorrow, which uh, I has like a Good Edge movie. of Tomorrow because it's like this Groundhog Day movie kind of like takes you through every phase of Tom Cruise's career in a way that I like a lot. Y- uh, yeah. Overall, I, I'll g- I would give it a six. You know, I, I enjoyed it more than I disliked it, uh, and it was a lot of fun to watch. Your eyes didn't bleed? No, what, and they great. usually do. They usually do. So I'm glad. <laughs> they stopped bleeding. It was a the... nice respite. They clawed it, not a hemorrhage. <laughs> they clawed it, so that's good. What about you, Gabe Mountain? Well, uh, as an authority of things that I like for myself, um, I would say I would give it a, a 7.4. Um, I am here for the blockbuster nature of the movie, which makes me forgive some of the uh, logistical leaps that you have to make and um, logic leaps, rather. Um, And I like that there was a love story-ish. I liked that uh, it it captured the time that it was made in for me really well. And I was nine, and so I was nostalgic about that. And just um, like, you know, the quote, like, you got to be good at your job to enjoy your life. Uh, Mm -hmm. which Cole says to Claire right before his race, and I'm more afraid of being nothing than I am of being hurt. I was surprised in in the rewatch. I'd forgotten those lines. And um, I was like, well, that's some some relatable life stuff right there. Like, look at that. Look at that life knowledge getting dropped. A thing that happens with really big-named actors where I have trouble believing them as a character because of their name. It's like, no, sure. that's just Tom Cruise. Here, that didn't happen as much for me. Um, like, I kind of bought them being the characters. And I thought there, there were parts the writing wasn't the best, but but I thought the performances kind of made up for that. Knowing how much trouble they had shooting this film, surprised it even exists, honestly. <laughs> du- Duval is truly excellent in this. It's a great performance. Quaid is great. Solid Quaid. Quaid. It seems like a normal human being, so that is a triumph for him, you know? Mm-hmm. Kidman's cute. She is. Yeah. Obviously, like, her, Fresh be- face. her best work is ahead of her at this point in her career. But, you know, she makes a striking, uh, you know, impression. Didn't bother to get rid of that accent, though. No. How, and how dare she? <laughs> we expect better. <laughs> Everyone knows there's no Australian neurologists working in America. Stephen, is there anything else you'd like to recommend that's on your radar this mm, week? Something I'd, I'd like to tell people to shut up and love? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I, I just mentioned it, uh, but I think something that fits the bill relatively well, because most people didn't see it, it didn't do well when it came out, is Edge of Tomorrow, which was also re- released on home video under the name Live, Die, Repeat, because they realized that Edge of Tomorrow meant nothing. Uh, you know, it's a Tom Cruise movie, also starring Emily Blunt. It's a, you know, humans fighting aliens movie. Tom Cruise gets stuck in a time loop. And I really like how, at the beginning of the movie, Tom Cruise is this kind of cocky, arrogant character. 
and because he keeps dying over and over again, you pretty much do see the evolution of the types of characters that he's played over his career happen to this character, this one character. I think it's really cool. And also the movie is really fun. I'm going to recommend a documentary, Senna, that I remember nothing about. But I do remember that it's <laughs> that great. You liked it. And I loved it. And it taught me a lot about racing. And I also felt very emotional and connected to it, watching it. So just based on this vague description, I think you must see it. But seriously, it's a really great documentary. Yeah. Gabe, anything uh, that you would like to plug, you know, should people follow you on social media or in real life? Oh, no one should follow me ever. Uh, I'm a very bad driver. And uh, no, um, they should not draft off of you. Draft. Um, I would say uh, check out The Hills New Beginnings on MTV, uh, which airs Monday nights um, because it is very entertaining and very pretty. And there's a lot of great music. Definitely. Stephen, where can our audience members find us in real life and in non-real life? Uh, you should come to Los Angeles because uh, the second and fourth Thursday of every month, Sasha and uh, my uh, improv team direct a video, host a show at the Moving Arts Theater on Hyperion Avenue at 9 p.m. You can follow me on social media at the Stephen Cohen. Mm. Sasha, how about you? I just want you guys to subscribe and rate this podcast because... I think it does something for us. I don't know what, but why not? It certainly does something for our egos. Love seeing those stars. <laughs> thank you, Elizabeth Salute, for our artwork. Mm, thank you, Andrew Hayworth, for our theme music. Thank you, Jay Hunter, for production support. And, and we'll... thank you for listening.